for us where now we're at like after a certain amount of properties it became we had to be switched over to the commercial side of the bank so again they had different lending restrictions and you're listening to the right club podcast where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live come grow with us and join our community at the and now your hosts sarah larby and alfonso salami Hey, Right Club Nation, it is Sarah Larby here. And before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? Well, that's our Right Club online community. It's a place where you can find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. And we've got interactive forums, all the podcast episodes, hours of videos, a wide range of real estate investing training and education tons of great information it's free to join be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com now on with the podcast welcome back right club community it's alfonso salemi here with my amazing co-host sarah larby how's it going sarah going well alfonso how are you doing very good very good welcome welcome everybody to another episode of the right club podcast today we have an awesome awesome podcast we are in uh, interviewing Natalie Cloutier. She does the burn, but it's a little bit different. So you're going to have to pay attention when we're interviewing Natalie about what the, the B's and the R's and all the R's and the B's all stand for. Because uh, I know we have like one of the, the top burr investors like in, I think, the country uh, as our, my co-host here. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a different version of burr. But uh, but before we get to the podcast, Sarah, what are you up to? I know you're always burring. The warmer weather is coming, so it's not so burr outside, but the burrs are uh, some investments. I know you're doing some other new projects as well. I am. I am. You know what? By the time that this airs, I will likely be at the cottage likely for the next two months. So I'm likely going to be enjoying the sun and, uh, and, and working on, uh, on the new resort. Well, right now it's land uh, and uh, it will be a, a 15 cottage resort, but it'll take a, a couple years to get it all uh, up and going, but it is super exciting. It was always a, a dream of ours to take care of uh, Matt's parents because they, you know, they, they always, you know, were kind of struggling along the way and, and Matt grew up pretty poor and we are building their, their cottage there for them. And they're going to actually get a little salary from us to also help out and manage. So it's like their dream come true. It makes it super easy and awesome for us. And we get to give back and help, uh, help his parents. So what about you, Alfonso? What's, uh, what's, what's new and exciting in your rent to own world? Yeah, thanks for asking. But I, I love that that story that you're giving. It's not only about the returns and the money, because I know you will, and those are going to be lining up and making sense too. But it's also about giving back and helping others, as well as right creating multiple wins. And that's what we're always trying to do with Jack Properties, helping people become homeowners through our rental program, helping our investors get better returns than they would, you know, if it's you know an RSP or or, or if they want to be passive, right, and they don't want to be managing tenants and toilets and some people love that stuff, but our team continues to grow. Our referral partner program is continuing to grow. So if you're a realtor, or mortgage broker, or just looking for a side hustle and, you know, are talking to people that potentially can't qualify for a mortgage, there's an opportunity for you at Jake Property. So uh, always get in touch with us. But uh, I'm super pumped to get to this interview. Natalie is amazing. She's been on so many of our events. If you haven't checked her out, get on the rightclub.com, click on the events tab. We have stuff like our archive, like you can keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's not broken. It's just more and more information on there that you guys can see. So check that out on the rightclub.com. Maybe you're listening to this podcast on there right now as well, too. Don't keep us a secret. Share it with us a friend. And uh, let's get to the podcast. 
Natalie, welcome to our podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always so excited to talk to you. I mean, you you presented at our webinar in the past. You were on my podcast prior as well. Um, you are such an inspiration. I love what you're doing. Like, I, I love that you are essentially doing a birth strategy, uh, but quite differently than what many people might believe. So before we get into that, though, give us a little bit of background of how you got started in real estate investing and then what your strategy is. Well, first of all, big compliments coming from you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, we do the bird, but instead of four R's, there's three. So for us, we stand it as uh, build, rent, refinance, and repeat. So instead of the typical renovation, you know, buy an existing property, renovate, rent it out, refinance, we build from the ground up. And, um, and we, the rest of the process is basically the same rent refinance, but, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's our, our thing. We kind of fell into it. It wasn't really something that we planned. We learned about investing and about what we do on, on the fly. And we still are, <laughs> uh, except now we learned about books and podcasts, but you know, in the beginning it was all on the fly. We started at 21 and now we're 28 and uh, I forget the amount of units. I think it's. I think it's uh, 21 units because we sold a couple. So yeah, about that. <laughs> I love that. True sign of an investor. You're looking up and like counting on your fingers, wait, sold a few, try, don't know the exact number uh, of rental units. So that's definitely the, the true sign of an investor. And wow. So I love that. So the build, rent, refinance, repeat, that's what you're doing now over almost close to 30 30 units, 30 doors that, that you're doing. So how how did you get your start? You didn't just come out of the gate and build your first property, right? And, and right out of the gate, or did you? So kind of give us a little bit of a background on how maybe you did. I don't know. I, I, I'd love to hear how the first story, how you took the step, or, or maybe you were born a real estate investor right out of the womb and started investing in like uh, duplexing cribs and playpens and things like that. But <laughs> you know, tell us tell us how, uh, yeah, how you got your journey started. Well, you know what? You're actually not that far away from like uh, taking it from a kid because I, I always like every time, ever since I could hold a pencil, I've been drawing like house plans. Okay. My, my mom always saw like, this was my sister's room, my room, and I was doing the whole layout. Um, I always drew houses. So I studied in architectural technology. So I became a custom home designer for five years, just like designing custom homes, renovations, stuff like that. Uh, I did multi-units in my uh, in my five-year career as well. But really, uh, we started because we wanted to we wanted to have a house, obviously, but we didn't have any money to our names. We had just graduated from college and just started on the work um, on the workforce kind of thing. And um, my parents kind of told us about this loan that they used to do back in the day where it's basically you build a house from the ground up, but instead of putting down 20%, you save that 20% as you're in your labor. So you tell the bank, easy math, let's say your house gets evaluated for like hundred K. Uh, and then they say, okay, well, we'll give you 80% of that obviously in draws. And it's up to you to build it for that amount. So it's up to you to build it for 80%. So you got to get in there. You kind of, you know, you got to swing the hammer. You got to do a lot of the work yourself so that you can save that 20% and you don't have to put that down. So that's kind of how we started. We had, we had bought a condo first and really realized we were not condo people tried to sell it. The market was low. So we rented it out. And then uh, instead we found this lot next to my sister and uh, we just decided let's jump into building. We both kind of had my, my husband studied in architecture with me as well. So he had a bit of that, you know, construction knowledge background, but it's really not the same what they teach you in school and what you actually learn on the field. So, I mean, 
most of it, we just had to get in there and figure it out. Uh, but we did have my parents who had built, they built four houses within four years just before they had us. So they hadn't built in a long time, but they were still there backing us up. Like my dad's always been in renovation and he used to frame houses. So he was kind of guiding us and showing us the ropes on how to manage the construction properly, how to send in your trades, how to do all that. And um, so we learned a lot from him. Uh, but yeah, we kind of did just throw ourselves into it in a way where like we were scared. Like, I think, I think my husband vomited like the first week he was so nervous. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's kind of how we started. We, we did our house. Uh, we designed it with a secondary unit in the basement so that we can have that extra income. Cause we were only 20, 21 years old at the time. We didn't make a lot of money either. So we wanted that extra income. We were really nervous. So we, we did that. And then after a year, you know, did the refi and took that HELOC and did the second property. Wow. So you were, you were literally, you were, your parents were building as you and your siblings were being born. So really from the womb. So I love that. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Very cool. I mean, you are really inspirational and some, something like this is usually, you know, as people are getting a lot of experience and more comfortable and they get into that now. Um, but, you know, for, for somebody that is looking into getting uh, into building, and I, I think you've got some four units that you're doing now, you know, what are like maybe three insights that you can share with them that you learned along the way, the hard way, potentially maybe challenges that you've had that you can say, if you do this or you do this differently, or you don't do this, you might be a little bit better off. Like, are there, are there some insights that you can provide us if you, if you had to pick like your top three? Yeah, actually, I just did an Instagram post about like the common mistakes that the most first time DIY builders make. I'd have to like pull it out again. But like one of the things is just maybe going too fast. So like the one thing I'd say is when you're looking at your lot to buy your lot to build, do your research before it becomes the, the, before the deal becomes firm. So like ask around, ask, um, ask the city, check with the city and see, make sure that what you want to build is possible. Uh, check in with the conservation authority to make sure that there's no environmental red flags, check in with, you know, title lawyers, whatever, just get in there, hustle, do as much of the information possible. Oh, also check in with the uh, utility companies that you're going to be connecting to. So like hydro gas company, whatever, make sure that there's no hiccup there because, yeah, I've like, I've seen horror stories where like, anyways, it's, it's a long story, but just make sure that you can get your services in. So that's the one thing that I would say, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question correctly, but I'm just kind of deferring it into mistakes instead, because I think that it's a, it's an important thing. Also um, underestimating the cost and the time frame, because especially, especially, especially if you're building this year, this year is going to be crazily insane. Like good luck basically if you're building this year because it's not going to be easy it's going to be a huge hassle and costs are unpredictable right now nobody can nobody can uh, lock in their prices so if somebody's giving you an estimate chances are they're going to say you know by the time you book this job it probably will have gone up like nobody can lock in prices so it's um it's really crazy but even on a normal year a lot of people will just underestimate the costs so just like a typical renovation, always have a contingency budget and don't also don't think that it's going to be like a renovation project because a lot of people start renovating and then they work themselves into building and they kind of assume that the process is going to be the same as a renovation is really not <laughs> like there's a lot more 
steps, coordination involved, and you ju- it's going to take a longer, I mean, depending on the type of build or renovation you're doing, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's more complex. So I always tell people, you know, um, make sure that you're going in fully mentally ready. Um, and like, if you're doing it with your partner, if you're building your own house kind of thing, like we did, my husband and I kind of had it like a face-to-face chat and we're like, okay, we can do this. We will survive this. We will not cry. (laughs) We will still love each other at the end. (laughs) So have that like mental check, like every quarter or whatever, because yeah, it's, it's, it can definitely test you. (laughs) So don't underestimate that. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out. And he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to 15 units. And he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects, which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process for you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a movie. I think it was a League of Their Own with Tom Hanks. There's no crying in baseball, right? There's there's no crying in construction or building, right? So yeah, there but, really is, uh, though. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure there are. There's, there's probably some tears of frustration, but hopefully there's more tears of, of joy and laughing and fun along the way. That's why you've continued to do it multiple, multiple times, dozens of times, right? And yeah, um, yeah, that, that that's that's cool. So I guess. You know, I always remember construction. It was one of my first jobs. I was like 12, 13 years old. I'll call it volunteering. It wasn't a job, okay, because I was underage. Um, But, you know, and I was, I had a family member that built houses, and I was always just the extra. If the the bricklayer was there, I helped out the bricklayer. If it was the carpenter, you know, the the plumber, whatever, right? And the fun part was always at the end, sweeping up the house, getting it ready for um, the people that were moving in, right? So that was like the big day, the closing day. And I know big builders, they have multiple closing days, like the first one, which is never the one, the second one, the the third one, and then the one that they legally until they have to start paying back. So does that work the same when, you know, obviously you're you're doing it on on a smaller scale, one and two at a time. Like when I think of building, I think of obviously the big builders across the cities that just buy acreages and then they turn them into subdivisions. You're doing more infill lots, if if I'm not mistaken, right? So walk us through maybe some of the similarities that the common person would look at, oh, that's the same as a builder, a big builder. And then the key main differences of the benefits of you doing it from a smaller builder perspective. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the way you're you're um, talking about it is it's more development, right? So development differs greatly because it's it's a whole other ball game. Like we're going to be jumping into that real soon. We bought it, we're buying, well, we're, we're taking possession on uh, early May of a, of a two point something acre property where we want to develop to do like a 24 unit maybe on it. So that's going to be like a major project because right now we've never been over four units. Um, but we know that it's about a two year planning phase because we got to do like 
environmental studies. We got to do hydrogeological studies, whatever. We got to rezone. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes into play. So we're planning for a two-year thing. And honestly, I don't know how much to budget either for like just those studies. But right now I'm thinking 100K, give or take. I don't know, but I want to be ready for that. So developing, like doing big builder stuff is definitely different. We, so the, what we do and what I recommend people to start with, I mean, don't start with a development project. <laughs> um, like you try to get a lot, like an infill, like you said. So for people who don't know what an infill is, is usually like, let's say you're um, in a, it's basically a lot that's already been developed and, and severed and it's ready to build on. So usually that's the kind of lots that we'll find here or, or on a smaller builder scale. So we'll find maybe a lot between uh, two properties downtown where uh, maybe somebody like they bought like an old property and it had a huge side yard. And so they divided part of of that yard and then we bought that that yard. Right. And so we're just kind of uh, creating a new home in between two existing homes. They do that a lot in like the downtown cores, maybe like I'm from Ottawa. So they do that a lot in Ottawa. Um, we don't do it in Ottawa. We're, we're in the outskirts, but still um, it's kind of the same uh, concept. So um, I definitely recommend that. And we started in the countryside too, though, where you needed like private septic fields. So for a lot of people that scares them because, you know, the maintenance and if you've never been on a septic field and the installation, whatever, it's unknown. Uh, but we've done most of our properties with septic fields and it's it's not something that scares us. And it helps us like find those better deals because you'll pay a lot less in the countryside than you will in a downtown urban area. So that's one of the things, I guess, that um, that differs. Definitely like you won't you don't usually need environmental studies and stuff like that for those type of lots unless you have to do like a rezoning. But but I would always say like, you know, try to find a, a residential zoning. And then, uh, and then especially in Ontario, we have the provision where you can do secondary dwelling units, which is really, really amazing because I don't think other provinces have that, but basically that means that you can add like a basement apartment uh, to your unit. So if you're, if you're doing like a semi, like that's how we do our fourplex, we'll build a semi-detached side-by-side duplex, and then we'll apply for secondary dwelling units in the basement, which makes it a fourplex. So instead of like rezoning for like R4 to get those maximum amount of units or, or whatever, that's how we do it. But then at a certain point, like you can't really like maybe five units and up, you can't really do that anymore. Um, so that's where I guess development would become more of, uh, of a challenge. Uh, but yeah, you need more capital to do that. And it's just, just a whole other ball game. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so speaking of capital, I mean, earlier when we started the podcast, you said you would go to the bank and they give you draws. And, and I believe this is uh, this is Desjardins just from a, a prior conversation. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And so essentially the, the 20 down, you kind of use your labor and, and your own, you know, blood, sweat and tears to, to justify that cost. Um, can you can you touch on what that looks like for somebody that you know hasn't worked through this type of financing uh, with the, the Desjardins? I mean, it could be other companies as well, but maybe just walk yeah. us through how you did that and and how you you will, that allowed you to scale as well. Yeah, so good point because actually the twenty percent down in labor is uh, something that they'll accept when it's your primary residence. When it becomes a secondary residence, it's a little difficult. Uh, it's more difficult. Like you'll, you can still do the twenty percent uh, saving and in, in, in for the down, but you have to have it available in capital in some form. So it can either be a HELOC, you know, a line of credit, something like that, or maybe you can uh, borrow that money from a friend or, or a private investor. But the bank will need to see that you have that capital available 
doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend it, but um, usually they'll say, you know, we want you to spend a certain amount of money and then we'll start giving you the draws. So it does become more complicated, especially um, for us where now we're at, like after a certain amount of properties, it became, we had to be switched over to the commercial side of the bank. So again, they had different lending restrictions and the more you grow, the more complicated it gets in a way because it becomes more commercial. Um, But for somebody starting out, like everybody asks me, how do I start? I tell them house hack with a build. So, because it's just easier, you don't have to have that 20% down available. I mean, unless the rules have changed. So don't quote me on that because our house has been six years and things change a lot on a regular basis for lending practices. Um, but that's how we started. So if, if the rules are still the same, um, you don't have to have the 20 pound available. You just need to show that, you know, you've got your budget and you're, you're able to uh, build your house for that amount of money. So you got to get your plans drawn up. You got to get a bid or budget in. So like we do a lot of, uh, we do plans for like for my cousin, he just built his own house uh, last year. We did the same for him. We did the design of his house. We did the budget for him. We worked with him, figure out what he was going to do himself, what he was going to hire for. And then he brought that to the bank. And again, he, he got accepted the same way we did. So that's how I would say. And then if you're able to design it with a basement apartment so you can get that extra income and that you can go and refi after a year because your value will have gone up with that extra unit, then you can get a HELOC, right? And then you can can keep going with that process. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be the best way to do it because starting out right away with a secondary property, if you don't have the capital, it's tough. If you do have the capital, it's it's easy to do, right? Because we, we're actually doing, we're managing a, a build for a, a client they've never built before, but they sold properties and they have the capital. And so they hired us to manage the, it's a, it's a fourplex. So they've never done this. They've hired us to do it. They, they got approved right away because they had the capital available. It's when you don't have that capital that it becomes more of a challenge. So. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're going to want to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's going to bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal. Private buyers, they help investors by bringing them some off-market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also gonna focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple, guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form, and start getting and seeing some available off-market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca. Now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, just check with, you know, the, the lenders and, yeah. and financial, everything changes all the time. Now is this without, so you're, the land itself, does that have to be purchased outright? Or it, is, that, is that part of what Desjardins was offering you? It depends. So, I mean, you can buy the lot off, right? And it, obviously that helps because you'll get to the bank and you'll see you've already spent that amount of money, you know, if you're able to buy a cash or, or something like that. But um, like with us, we didn't have any capital when we started. So they incorporated the uh, lot loan into the build loan. So I'm not sure exactly how they did it, but yeah, they kind of incorporated the whole thing. And then when we took possession of the lot, they like gave us the first draw for uh, the lot. And then that was like, that kind of counted as a first draw or, 
it's been six years, so I don't really remember. Now we buy our lots cash and then we do the whole um, the whole process. But yeah, no, that you're usually able to get them to incorporate it. And usually what they'll say too is they'll say, okay, well, um, we'll give you like a, a mortgage on your lot for a year, but you have to build, like you have to put the shovel in from here, from today to like one year from now. And if the shovel's not in, well, then you'll, you're going to have to pay down like 30% of the capital plus interest. So it's really important that when you buy your lot and you get that, because it's the cheapest kind of loan that you can get, just make sure you're ready to build within that year. Again, though, this, this is just based on my personal experience. So to everyone listening, like get your own info, because I don't know. what. <laughs> no, this is, it's, this is critical. This is, this is such valuable information because I know myself never developed building anything myself. Um, you know, you talk to others and you say, oh, I'm going to go find a chunk of land and build a nice house. And, you know, I commonly hear person, oh, you can't do that. You can't get a mortgage on raw land. And I'm probably just asking the people that have never done it. That's why I love having this conversation somebody like yourself that has gone through it. So yeah. you, know, you were mentioning all the different design, environmental, the, the permits, the, the servicing. So obviously over the years and, and with the multiple projects that you've done, you must have built you know, a really strong team around you that have helped you. So who are some of the, the key team members going through this process that you want to make sure that you have a good line of communication, their experience and what they're doing. It's not their first time, right? Obviously you have that background from, know your parents and your family but now as you build your team helping other investors build their portfolios who are the key team members that you always lean on and you're like that i need that person i gotta call that that's on they're on speed dial they're my fav my fave five who are, who are those who are those team members yeah i love that question because it's such an important part of this business um first of all a real estate lawyer get a good real estate lawyer someone you can count on someone who really wants to see you succeed we we've had it was a family friend but still uh he's amazing and, and again to this day like he's he's always helping us out and he's on speed dial um and then the other uh, person would be accountant or bookkeeper somebody again who has experience in multi-units rentals and preferably construction if you're doing construction because our guy does the same thing as us he's about the same age and has the same amount of properties and like he knows and he like as he's doing his stuff he learns and then he like applies it to us which is amazing like i i love that guy and i tell him every time he he gets us out of jams all the time i'm like dude i love you so freaking much so yeah that's that's uh, another another one a, a good realtor, maybe uh, you can have a, a good realtor that, you know, that's willing to like our realtor keeps us on a, on a list as soon as a property or a lot comes for sale. Like I get the email right away. Um, he's always like on the lookout because like raw land, especially right now this year, it's, it's impossible to find raw land. Everybody's jumping on it as soon as it becomes on the market. So uh, having a realtor who's really like willing to to see you succeed and really wants to to be there uh with you so that's another key person appraiser we had an amazing appraiser and he retired and now i just started working with another appraiser and i do not like her and i'm switching to someone else as soon as i can so uh yeah it's just that's another thing too right you're, you're gonna kind of change your key team members as you grow and you're gonna you're just gonna kind of adapt you try someone like i tried her don't like her. It's not working out. We're going to finish what we're doing. And then I'm going to someone else. Um, so it's, that just happens. But, and then a good, um, maybe like a good general maintenance contractor guy who kind of can, especially when we're building, we're super busy. We don't have time to take on the maintenance calls from the, from the rentals. So we have one or two people that we know we can rely on and send them out to do stuff, or even just to help us on site when Rob needs a hand. 
and and then yeah have your you know your family and your friends make sure you've got someone in your corner that's supporting you because it gets rough it gets it gets tough and uh it's good to have those people that kind of that do believe in what you're doing because a lot of people don't understand or don't believe so make sure someone actually understands what you're doing and you know motivates you because you, you you're gonna need that too <laughs> yeah absolutely I think it's pretty cool that like it sounds like your parents are supportive because they used to yeah. do it themselves and they were able to help you and, and I you know that's huge right that you yeah. didn't have parents that said oh my god you're crazy how were, how what did your friends say like were they did they know you would always do this regardless just because of your background in school or or did I'm, they have any comments about oh my god you're gonna lose your shirt I'm not sure friends um I don't I don't really care what my friends think so I don't like I don't think I ever really awesome. paid attention to that uh chatter no I, I think I think people at first you were like Cause we, we started, like we built our house and it was like, Oh my God, cool. And then we built another property. Like really? Why? And then we built another one. Oh my God, again, what are you doing? And so, and then at the third one, we're like, yeah, we're starting a business with this. And they're like, okay, but it, nobody really said anything. I think people just kind of didn't understand the business model. You know, it's kind of hard to, to, to explain cause we're not selling these properties. So it's not like you're a builder selling for a profit. We're keeping them. So it's difficult to explain, but uh, no, most of my friends just, just thought it was really cool. And they, they, they're just, you know, they're, they think it's, it's really awesome. I think if people did have a, an opinion of, um, well, we, we do hear sometimes people saying like, oh, you're going to, if, if the market crashes, everything going on, like you're going to be the first one to lose everything. And no, like we do our research, we're ready for a crash. So no, but sure. Think what you want. I like, I like that kind of comment because it pushes me to be like, yeah, watch me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and I do want to say, I mean, you guys are really hands-on, right? So, so you have, you're really hands-on and you have a background, but let's just say somebody doesn't have the background that you have. Um, can you share like the stuff that you guys, because you, you do a lot like of, yeah. of work through those things. And then if, if somebody if somebody wants to be more hands-off and not do that, who do they need then to replace what you're doing or, or, or what Rob's doing in this situation? Yeah. So um, when Rob and I started out, we did a lot of the stuff ourselves. So we did, um, basically we subbed out for the big things. So uh, excavation, concrete, well, foundation, uh, framing, um, any of the big stuff we would sub out because we just, you know, we're not going to deal with that. Um, also plumbing. I always recommend if you're not a plumber, get a plumber. Don't do the plumbing yourself because it's the one thing that always breaks or leaks and you want a plumber that's going to come and fix it <clears throat> under maintenance after a year, under contract uh, warranty, I mean, after a year. Um, so, but my husband did do electrical. So in, in Ontario, you can do your own electricity if you're in your own property, if you get a proper uh, ESA permit. Uh, so he did electricity, um, insulation, drywall, trim, kitchen install we get our ikea kitchens well not these days not the, not with the lockdowns but usually we did ikea kitchens um basically all the finishings after that if you're looking to do uh to be more hands-off then chances are i, I just say people if you, if you can't do all the work yourselves and make sure you have the capital to back it up because you're gonna have to put on put down a bigger down payment for us like the way we do it now we started hiring out more people because we do have more capital. Um, so, and Rob can't do everything alone. Like we're building two fourplex at once right now. So we're all over the place and I'm pregnant. So I can't help him as much as I used to. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we started hiring out a lot more. We hired an electrician now and, and all that stuff. If you're, if you're going to do it yourself though, yeah, just have the capital because then I, I don't know how you're going to do it. If it's the, it's the only way, right. It's either you do it yourself and you save that money or you have the capital to pay for those people to do it because you want to make sure that at the end of it, you still get to your 80% value, 80% of your value. If you're, if it costs you more to build than your value, than your, your finished value, then 
it's, it's a failure to me. Like it's not where a lot of people do that though. They just, they want to buy for appreciation or they want to build or whatever for appreciation. That's not me. I'm cash flow all the way. So it depends what your goal is, I guess, but we always make sure that we're below 80%, like 70 if we can, but sometimes we'll go to 80 if we can refi some, you know, pull out some cash and put it into the next one. But yeah, just, just make sure you're at 80 at least. (laughs) I got, I got a quick follow-up and then I have a two-part question. So the follow-up question, because we, this is, you know, our podcast, we have, you know, amazing veterans that are building, doing, you know, 30 builds and all like someone like yourself. And we have maybe those of just hurting, maybe listening to this podcast for the first time, just trying to get into real estate and everywhere in between. So we always say, you know, provide value, bring value to help go. So just, it could be a yes or no, there's no right answer. But if someone wanted to start and learn about this building process and they came to you and provided value and said, hey, I can help you go pick up permits from City Hall or I can be on site to open up the container or the storage, would you invite someone like that to, to be part of your group or someone that wanted to learn? Yes. If, if, um, if they can actually pull their weight, like they said, like we don't want somebody in our way that's going to slow us down more. Cause we did have someone once that offered, but there was no experience and you can tell, you know, just wasn't the type of person that we would have wanted to work with, but it would be, if I, if, if I offered that, I wanted to make sure they would be like having an employee and that that person can take it on and do the work. Right. So yeah, no, it's definitely so. And I recommend that to people too. <clears throat> if you want to learn how to build, I would say, you know, go see those builders and be like, okay, I want to learn how to build. Can I work with you through a construction and you teach me and then, you know, I'll work for free or whatever. And then after that, you'll be able to do it uh, better yourself. So I recommend that to people all the time. Absolutely. Right. It's like when, when you're a young kid coming out of school and trying to get your first job and you keep hearing you don't have any experience. Well, the only way you can get experience is getting a job. Right. So this, this is a kind of a hybrid where you can actually help. So I just wanted to confirm yeah. that for all those listeners out there that say, oh, wait, look at, you know, look at Natalie. She's so great. She's done 30 properties. She's built all this. How can I start? Guys, that's where you can start. Guys and gals. That's where you guys can get your going. OK, so now my two part question at any point through all these all these projects or properties, have you ever sat there or you've been in a property or at any point going, oh, my God, why am I doing this? And then the second part, you know, have you ever walked out of a property or concluded a deal or now things are running smoothly and going, oh, my God, I'm so happy. And maybe an example of each, if you can share with us. My God, you just described my roller coaster life on a daily basis. OK, so yes and yes. <laughs> like. Holy crap. Well, okay. It's because that's the thing. It, it gets to be really tough, especially when you're doing the work yourself, you're managing yourself. You're like, I'm do, I'm in the office. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it's definitely, definitely a roller coaster ride, but to give you an example, when we were building, it was our, it was our second rental property. So our third build, if you include our house, we were just about to start, we had gotten permit and I was already super discouraged. Like it was just, it, it had, it was a pain. We had a, we had a hiccup with the financing and we were stressed. And I told my husband, I'm like, I want to quit. I'm like, we're going to like, like, let's sell this property with the permit, give it to someone else. Like I'm done. And uh, he's like, okay, it was winter. He's like, okay, you know what? Let's just book a quick five day getaway to the Dominican Republic. Let's recharge. So that's what we did. And in that trip, like in the plane ride, he slipped me the rich dad, poor dad book. He's like, here, babe, read this. And I was like, I don't feel like reading. He's like, no, no, 
read this. <laughs> so I read the book and like the mental, the switch kind of turned up in me and I was like, okay, we're doing this for the right reasons. We're on the right path. There's a reason why uh, it's tough. Everybody else would be doing it if, it if it was easy. So after that trip, I was like, okay, let's do this. I got this. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, and, and it happens all the time. I had another crap day today. And I know though, that, that at the end of it, it's going to be worth it. And, you know, there's a reason why we're doing it. So it's just, you just have to have a really solid why, <laughs> why you're doing this and uh, your goal. And then, you know, yeah, go through the motion because you're going to go through it, but you just gotta, that's why I said, you have to have that team that's backing you up and motivating you. <laughs> that is awesome. So one more question and I think we're going to get into light lightning round after, but just, just out of curiosity, how has real estate changed your lives? You and Rob, uh, since you started investing. Uh, well, Rob was able to quit his nine to five at 25. So that was a huge uh, deal. I mean, he's still working a lot because he's on site and he's managing and sometimes he misses the nine to five, but um, yeah, so he, but he was able to, you know, break free of that schedule. I mean, I, I would be able to do the same anytime. So um, technically just that part of it, we're looking for the freedom of being able to do our own schedule and, and do what we want. And we know we're on the right path for that with, with, the real estate. Plus we met a lot of people. We learned a lot. We grew up really fast. I feel like I'm 40. I already have gray hairs. Like I'm 40. Uh, so <laughs> Nice beard. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I just feel like, uh, but, but it, like as, as stressful as I talk and I say it is, it, it was still like a really, really cool experience. We got to open up a business and, and, you know, we, we just learned a whole lot and, uh, I don't regret it. I would start all over again, the exact same way. Yeah, that, that's awesome. It, may, it makes me think of a saying that, you know, life's journeys start at the edge of your comfort zones, right? And you guys have pushed yourself and, and built an amazing business, helping so many others that not only are living in your properties, a safe place for their families, but all, you know, all your partners, investors, yourselves that you've helped along the way as well, too. So uh, I think it's time for our lightning round. So uh, Natalie, are you ready for the lightning I am. round? Sure. Throw them at me. <laughs> This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, here we go. Four questions. Question number one, what is the best advice you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Um, well, honestly, I think it was, it's just... Um, I always say the hustle is good. And I've learned this through people. The hustle is good, but make sure that you take the time for yourself because you can, it's so easy to get caught up in the daily grind and just, you know, working towards your goal and stuff. And I, and I admire that, but um, if you don't take that break and you don't remember why you're doing it and take a step back and time for family, you're going to burn out, you're going to crash, and then it's going to cost you more time to achieve your dreams. So um, yeah, take, take the time, relax, chill, have a glass of wine. <laughs> Great. Great advice. Absolutely. How many of you investors out there listening to this right now, 
you know, start your days, you know, seven, eight, nine in the morning, whatever time, and are just completely bombarded the whole day. And you look up and it's like four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock. And then you're like, where did the day go? Right. Schedule that time for your self-care throughout your life, throughout your day, your weeks and all that. Okay. Question number two, what is your favorite resource for real estate investing? Uh, Like a learning you, you mean? Any resource that could be anything. Um, to me, books, um, I, I love to read. I love podcasts too, but I'm very visual. So like I, I have to watch the podcast. If I'm listening, I don't always get everything. So I love to read. I'll get lost in a book. And um, there's a few books that I, that really, really helped me out in my journey. Um, so for me, that's my number one go-to if I'm looking for something. Can you share those? Can you share those books? Yeah. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course, that's the classic. The uh, the yellow book the uh, of Brandon Turner, the book on managing rental properties, that one was a huge uh, plus for me because I, I basically based my entire uh, rental management process on that book. The other one was, it's a Canadian book. It's the, um, what is it called? It's a long title. I always forget. It's written by Don, uh, Don Campbell and it's um, the real estate... He probably has it on his shelf. <laughs> the uh, real estate cycle, the Canadian real secrets, secrets to the Canadian real estate cycle. That it's little blue book. Yes, yes. yes. But, yeah. I, so I, I learned a lot from that book. And um, yeah, especially for anyone who's um, who's worried about like a market crash or something happening, you know, in, in the future, um, pick up that book. You'll learn a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great book to reread as well so that you, yeah. you know, even at every five, it doesn't have to be five years, but every few years as we're always entering it into different cycles. Yep. Awesome. Question number three, Natalie, what is the one attribute in your opinion that has made you so successful? Uh, super stubborn and hardheaded. Like I will not give up <laughs> and uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. My husband's the same way. He's actually worse than I am. So it kind of, kind of helps just not wanting to give up and being too proud to say it didn't work. <laughs> I love it. I love it for everybody out there. It's, it's not over till I win. Exactly. If, if I don't win, it's not over. Right. That's, yeah. how, that's how it goes. But all right. Last, last question of the lightning round on a typical Sunday morning. What are you up to? What are you doing? Uh, ideally, if it's nice outside, I am working in the backyard, you know, just hanging out with my husband, my sister and my, her family is not too far away. So we can walk over and hang out, have a drink with them, just something quiet and relaxing and not real estate related, which is very rare for me. <laughs> very nice. Sounds good. Thanks for playing the lightning round, Natalie. Where can our Right Club community, our members reach out to you if they wanted to connect with you and find out more? Uh, Instagram is the best place to reach me. Uh, my handle is at the new belt couple. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time for being an amazing guest. So much information all packed in there. Definitely going to have to have you back in the future, but uh, for now, are there any last words of advice that you'd like to share with the right club community? Uh, no, I think I'm, think I'm advised out. <laughs> Awesome. That's a first. That's a first. Really, I love the answer. It, it is. It is just authentic. Thank you, Natalie, for being on the show. That was awesome. Thanks, guys. She's awesome. You know what? Natalie has probably the best energy of 
I would say anyone I've ever met, she's just so positive. She's, you know, so helpful and humble and, and just awesome all around. Like I, I actually haven't met her in real life, but I already feel like we're friends and like we can hang out and like have a glass of wine when, when everything is, is back to normal. But she's got an inspirational story. I mean, they started when they were 20, 21 years old. They're 28 now, pretty much, you know, living the dream so early on and, and uh, you know, and being able to give back and, and share her knowledge and the stuff that she's learned. I mean, that is just amazing. We'll have to have her come back and, and you know, each time I, I talk to her, like there's just so much content and information that she provides. So Natalie, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. You are just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't, couldn't say it better myself, Sarah. And that's what the Right Club community is all about. If you got some inspiration from Natalie, if you got some information from Natalie, some know-how, or just maybe a couple laughs, let us know. Share a review, write a review, share us with your friends, get on the Right Club community, get the info on there. We have our events page, our forums, podcasts, blogs, all of our right partners and service directory. You heard Natalie mention how important the team is. So if you're looking to build that team, that's where you should start. Really start there. Find some of the best professionals that have been vetted, that have worked with professionals. And as Sarah always says, they're investors as well. So they're doing this shoulder to shoulder alongside you, not just telling you what to do. They're actually taking their own advice and doing it themselves. So yeah, really, really great combo. Love doing these podcasts. Like I said, in the podcast, you know, your, the journey starts when you get to the edge of your comfort zone. And I can't thank you enough, Sarah, for getting me out of my comfort zone. Keep doing these podcasts. Keep improving more. And uh, from the right club, what do we always say? We say, come grow with us. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.